Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Moms and Coaching Podcast. I'm Brooke Wyckoff, women's basketball coach at Florida State University and mom to my daughter, Avery. And I'm Erica Lambert, women's basketball coach at Abilene Christian University and mom to my daughters, Ava and Maya. Being a mom and being a coach are two amazing jobs, but being both provides a unique set of challenges, especially in the world of college athletics. So on this podcast, we discuss our experiences, share some advice, and have real conversations with other moms in coaching who get it. If you're a college coach, a high school coach, anyone working in athletics, or a working parent in general, we're so glad you're here listening in. We wanna encourage you to win the day and keep your family first. This week, we interviewed Beth Ann Burke. She is the head women's basketball coach at D2 Goldie Beacom College in Wilmington, Delaware, just outside of Philly. Beth Ann is going into her eighth year as GBC's head coach. She's also their assistant athletic director and SWA. She's a mom to a sweet three-year-old daughter. And last but not least, Beth Ann is married to a head basketball coach. Her husband, Dan, leads the team at Wilmington University, which, interestingly enough, competes in the same conference as Goldie Beacom. So in this episode, we chat about what it's like to have a two-head coach household, juggling two college basketball teams, and athletics administrator duties, all while raising a young daughter. And speaking of her, while we were talking, Juliana was downstairs getting after it with the Disney family sing-along which I think a lot of our kids have enjoyed this summer. So shout out to Disney Plus for that. If you've never met Coach Beth Ann Burke, we're excited to introduce her to you. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to episode four of the Moms and Coaching podcast. As always, I'm calling in from Texas. Brooke's with us in Florida. And our special guest today is from the Northeast. We have D2 head coach Beth Ann Burke from Goldie Beacom College. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on. Beth Ann, thanks for being here. We're just going to dive right in and just want to get a little background on you. You have such an amazing story. What really drove you to being a coach? I grew up in a household where my dad was a teacher. My dad was a coach. I have four older brothers. I'm the only girl. So you know how that environment probably was, lots of sports. So I just grew up always wanting to be an educator. A teacher and a coach was kind of one and the same for me. And That led me to playing in college and then graduating from college, getting a teaching position and starting out in high school. I've been in education and coaching ever since. And so that was in 2006 and we're going on however many years now I've lost track. That's awesome. You've had a great career and gosh, you're still young. You're just getting started, right? (laughs) Your husband, Dan, is also a coach. So before we get into the nitty gritty of that, how did you guys meet? And because you guys are both coaches, did that affect your timeline of deciding to get married? Talk to us about that. We both went to Chestnut Hill College, which is another school actually in our conference. So that's located right outside Philadelphia. So we met in college and we started dating and then continued on and got married in 2011. And we actually were assistants at the time in our conference. I was at Holy Family and he had stayed on after he graduated from Chestnut Hill, joined their staff. And it really didn't affect anything. I think he was more concerned, how are we both going to do this business Someone's going to have to make a compromise. And I think I was, it'll work out. We're in an area that's very populated. How many schools are in our area? And I would say for the most part, I was probably right (laughs) for for that. So I ended up getting hired at Goldie Beacom in 2013. And then he got hired at Wilmington in 2014. So we're really lucky. Both schools are 10 minutes apart. 
and you know we're in the same conference too. What were some of those early conversations you were having as you looked out at both being coaches? Are there things that you guys agreed upon at the outset of your marriage or kind of parameters that you set? Like what if one of you wanted to pursue a job that wasn't in that geographical area? Is that something you talked about? We definitely talked about that a lot. There are always opportunities that come up, but you really have to consider the fact that currently you're in a situation where you're both head coaches. Both of our families are within this area and not to say you would never leave, but there is something to be said for, you know, living an hour from family. We currently live about 40 minutes from my family. So you have to be realistic and say, are we really going to just pick up and move? And for me, I've started out high school, move into the college level but I never really had to change my location because of the access to so many four-year schools in the Philadelphia area, in this metropolitan area, we didn't really have to make any compromises, but it was definitely something where you, you worry about the unknown. And I would say he was probably more the worrier on that, where I was, it's going to work out and things will fall into place. That's really awesome that you guys have been able to stay in that region where your families are and still have so much success and kind of move up the coaching ladder because I know that's tough to do. So we have some moms in our coaching group who are married to another coach. We have two coach households, but a lot of times it's another sport or it might be a different part of the country, but you guys are in the same conference. I feel like that's a unique situation. And I know one on the men's side, one on the women's side, but do you take that competition home? How does that look? Our league is our doubleheader. So we play first and our men play after. So if we win, I'm really happy and I really don't care about their game. (laughs) And he knows that. Because he's on the men's side, and it's also something that we know so well, even as assistants, you know, we were two different schools in our league, in our division. There's so many conference games. So there's 17 other games that our men have to play. He knows their women's team and, you know, he wants them to be successful too. We definitely talk about our teams a lot, but I think it's just more of us having a familiarity of our conference and what we each do and understanding that, you know, you might be in the middle of dinner and a recruit calls and you have to leave and you understand that. And then there's times where you might not be able to do everything that you really want to do. You have to make compromises because the other person is doing the same thing at the same time. And so we really have to think about what's important for each individual and then each other's program. And we do that a lot and you can't be judgmental and you can't tell each other what you would do. That's like the worst thing that you can do, especially with your spouse. So we try to avoid that as much as possible. What a neat dynamic. We just love hearing about those situations where there is that added element of understanding of what coaching is about and just what that brings to the relationship. But there's another aspect to your family. Let's talk about Precious Juliana. So she was born May 2017. So how has that been? And because both of her parents are coaches, I'm sure she spends a lot of time in the gym. So what is that like? And how's that changed things for you guys? And just tell us a little more about her. I think it's important to kind of start when she was born and planning that because I was so concerned how I was to deliver her because I told the doctor, I don't want to miss July recruiting. And as crazy as that is, that was my thought process. But that's kind of the way we have to think, especially at the D2 level where a lot of your staff is part-time. And I have very dedicated people that we work with, but they also have other responsibilities. So that's the first thing that that was like the number one priority, making it back for July recruiting, which I was able to do. Every day and week looks different. There's not one week that looks the same. So we might have a day where he has to bring her in and I have to pick her up and she's there for part of their practice. And 
as a coach, you have to be flexible. Maybe you always do your scout in the beginning of practice. Well, she's going to be there and being there for a scout is really challenging. So maybe you have to push back the scout to the end of practice, or maybe we like to watch film at the end, but I have to go pick her up. So we have to switch around like when we're watching film that day. So we try to be as flexible as possible. And just knowing that part of that is like us handing her off throughout the day. We usually do that about three days a week. My mom typically watches her too. And my mother-in-law watches her usually on Saturdays. So the other days we kind of just have to wing it. But do you guys think that you'll ever get to the point where you'll need outside childcare? Or is it just, I, I know that's got to be an advantage of, like you said, just being able to be local and close to family. Have you ever thought about having to do that? Or is it just keep it between you guys? This year, depending on what they do at schools, like she's going to go to a three-year-old program. So that'll be a lot easier. And she'll be right by where Goldie Beacom is. But so far, it's been just us trying to maneuver it. And especially with most daycares, it's just the hours don't even match what we're going to do. You know, you look at it and you're like, okay, well, we have a game today. We're leaving at this time and we're going to be back at one. Unless it's a family member who can actually watch your child. We've been fortunate enough to have family that's willing to help that is close by. And it might mean that we drive an hour to stay at our family's house while she's there. So we're not bringing her back late at night. So we have to just make those decisions and and sacrifice as we need to. Does she travel with you guys to most games? She doesn't. If one of us does have a game and the other doesn't, we'll try to bring her. But that is even challenging because she's so trained that she can just run onto the floor. So then the whole time you spend resisting, you guys understand, you're holding your child and you're sweating trying to watch a basketball game because this 30-pound child's trying to run on the floor. And it's just, it's tough. (laughs) It's comical if you say it. Yeah. She wants to be out there. Heck yeah. Yeah. I don't blame her. I feel like that is uh, so refreshing to hear you say that it wasn't just my kids when they were little. And even now, I mean, mine are nine and seven, but they're in the gym with me so much. I mean, they were, they were with me this morning at practice. And so at game time, how do I convince them that you need to stay in this one spot (laughs) when every other day that you're there, I'm like, okay, go play, go play. Yeah. It's very, very challenging. It's very challenging. (laughs) Okay, so when Juliana comes to game day and it's the Goldie Beacom Wilmington matchup, what color shirt does she wear? It's a great question. When she was an infant, I think she was like six months old or so, we had a family member that gave her like a onesie. So like one side was Goldie Beacom and then the opposite side was Wilmington. We try to dress her really neutral because people really get into that. But we have family that comes to games and they'll sit on our side for my game and then they'll go to Dan's side for the men's game. So they'll usually like transport her with them. I love that. It's really cool that you guys have a family fan section at your games. That's really neat. Okay, so I want to talk about coaching at the Division II level and specifically what some of the challenges and advantages could be for coaching moms that are unique to D2. Definitely. Um, I think a lot of coaches at our level, especially in our conference, we have other responsibilities on campus besides coaching. So for myself, I'm the assistant athletic director and the senior women's administrator. So my day-to-day you know, if I go to practice and I go back to my office, I'm then turning into an administrator in the athletic department and getting tasks done under that, under that job responsibility. Um, and a lot of D2 schools have similar situations and a lot of your assistant coaches could be part-time where they're needing to have other means of employment. So they have other, you know, obligations and responsibilities. So with that, you're still trying to function you know, just like you guys do at the division one level, 
Um, and you're trying to recruit players that could play at the Division One level. So you have to often look at what can we do with our time. And it's not trying to do more. It's not trying to work harder. It's maybe trying to work a little differently to manage what works best for you and your school. Um, and I also think you're a little more centralized in your location. I know for our conference, we don't really have to travel to any team overnight for any conference game. So it's a conference where I can, every coach can sleep in their own bed after playing a conference game, which not a lot of people can say. Um, so from that standpoint, you can be really centralized in a location and that can be your hub of recruiting and you're maybe traveling, but maybe not as far as some other D2 schools across the country. That's really interesting. There are just so many pros and cons and comparisons to the division one level. Obviously we know that our group in moms and coaching is pretty D one heavy. And so I'm always really intrigued by the D2, D3 situation and what that looks like, because in some ways, like you said, maybe the travel's easier, but I can't imagine being the assistant AD in the SWA also. You're a rock star. <laughs> Thanks. I think a lot of people kind of get burnout because you're trying to do everything. There's always stuff that you wish you could do better and that you have more time for. Every coach at every level and every position across the country feels that way. Once you get past that, you really just have to look at what's really important. And it might mean that you have to delegate some responsibilities to other people. And even if you have student workers or interns in the athletic department help you and tasks that maybe you spend time doing, you can pass off. That's the best way to get through and, you know, you make it work. With your role as an administrator, do you feel like your family builds relationships with athletes from other sports more than if you were a D1 coach who was just locked into your own team? Definitely. I would say that I get to know all the athletes that are on our campus, especially all the female athletes. There was a softball athlete that watched my daughter periodically. You do have that interaction and it's good to get to know those other kids. And then you build those relationships with your own players too. That sounds like a great bonus. It definitely is. Well, speaking of your own players and your team, we always like to talk about basketball because that's what obviously all our passion is besides our children and our families. So let's talk about your squad for a little bit. You guys had a really young team last season, just a few upperclassmen, which is always fun. Uh, fun <laughs> can be challenging. So that means returning 12 players next year. So what are your goals for next season and what are you hoping to achieve with this group? I think they're really hungry to have a long season into March. And we're hoping that obviously that happens. And, you know, we were a team last year that peaked way too late. Like we played our best basketball in February, but we missed the first round of conference games and, and we didn't take care of games we should have early on. And I think that's okay for players to experience because you learn those lessons. And sometimes when you don't have things work out the way that you want them to, that brings you to a situation where you're hungry and, and you want more. Um, and that's definitely how our group is. And they want to play as long as they can in March as possible. So after that, you know, I'm just looking for them to be really good students and really good people and be close to this as a team. And that's something that we've kind of taken advantage with the virus. There were a lot of things that we missed with postseason, and I'm sure you guys did as well. Because of that, you kind of communicate in a different way. And you maybe communicate more because you don't have that daily interaction that maybe you took for granted. Um, so I do think that the team coming in this year and even our new players are closer with the team than they've ever been before. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's been one of the cool things I know I've experienced too, just the difference in communication with everybody and certainly our players. So what has been your communication? What have you guys been able to do? What are your concerns regarding COVID and what the upcoming season or school year will look like? From a communication standpoint, we have a group message and we've been communicating every day and that's been definitely great and and doing Zoom calls, seeing their faces. Because at D2, we don't work out with them in the summer, we might not see each other as much as we have through Zoom, which has been great. And typically at D2, we usually start right after Labor Day. We have eight hours of conditioning and lifting and also four hours with basketball, so four and four, and we start on October 15th. That's definitely going to be very different because our conference has pushed back all games until after January 1. So for us, we're not going to have that preseason of six weeks before we're going six days a week with practice, which is going to be different for new players coming in. They don't need to adjust as much because they don't know what that college season has looked like. But for our returners, they're so used to coming in and having lifting and workouts and running our time mile every Friday and and that's going to change and it's going to be a lot of them doing it on their own outside of you know what we're able to do. So we're still determining when we're going to start practice, but there won't be any games at all until after January 1st. I just can't imagine being a young person having to navigate all of this and and all the anxiety and things we don't know. Have you found that being a mom helps you relate to your players better and understand where they're coming from on a normal day and and during times like this? Yeah, I think that you want to know how they feel and where they are. And not that I didn't want to know that before, but how we feel about things and how we're adjusting with things is really important in our day-to-day for our success and the way we're going to thrive in a situation. And we all want our players to be happy. I mean, at the end of the day, we want them to be happy. So even when our last Zoom call, you know, I asked them, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And you have to create an environment where they can share that and they trust that, you know, you're going to listen. So many times we don't listen as adults, we don't. And it's important to really make sure we have the time for them and to be there for them. So I would definitely say that once you become a parent, you know, some of my alum, our alumni that I wasn't a parent, they say that I've gotten softer, which I don't know if I agree with that, but I think it definitely changes you for the better. Absolutely. We know it changes us for the better and and everyone. I just think it brings such a great perspective. And that's why we're just so excited to to spread the word and and have people like you, Bethann, on this podcast to give insight to to this lifestyle and, and how cool it can be for not only us and our families, but our players as well. And so we just appreciate you being on. And we always end our podcast with this one question. What is something that is winning the game for you? right now and it might be a resource a life hack a person a tv show who knows in this covid life what is winning the game for you for me it's getting up in my normal get up time where i start my day and working out with somebody i have a workout partner and just starting the day and having a routine it would be really easy to not do that and just start the day whenever but having the routine and just i'm already up when my daughter gets up and just starting the day positive on a good note so that's definitely been good for me that sounds familiar. Erica was had that same game winner a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that workout and that workout buddy are clutch. Yes. Well, again, Bethann, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to get some insight into your daily life. And we just wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks, Bethann. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Moms and Coaching podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode. Also, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at momsincoaching at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Moms in Coaching. Bye, everyone. Until next time. Thank you.